Hello and welcome back to She's in Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and videographers from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who's just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video, one of those being Abby McPherson, an educator, photographer, videographer, and editor who's living in Dubai, where she's been a physical education teacher for the past three years. Education has been the vehicle for many of the opportunities she's had the privilege of experiencing and it's helped her along on her filmmaking journey. She's here to tell us all about it today. Abby, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Kel. Of course, of course. So it's interesting you being on this side of the the camera being interviewed instead of uh, of interviewing. How does it feel? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just like, oh, I feel all the pressure that everybody else feels is like, what are they going to ask me? What am I going to say? So, but it, it's it's awesome to to definitely experience so I can help alleviate some of the fears in the future. Of course. Yeah, I get the other perspective. So you are my first uh, international guest. So we have to know, we have to start off the podcast episode with telling me how you ended up in Dubai. What informed your decision to move abroad? Okay, so... Uh, many might not know, so I look very, very young, right? Um, I was approaching my 30th birthday a couple years ago. and Girl, 30? I I needed... Yeah, well, actually, I'm 33 now. So, wow. Uh... <laughs> you do not look a girl, so, uh... I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Amen. <laughs> um, I needed something different. I needed a major change, so it was either going to be, like, purchase a house or mm-hmm. move abroad. It was like I was wedged between, like, okay, I had already started my physical education career working in D.C. And I have been working there for a couple of years and I was just getting the itch. Like every couple of years I get the itch like I got to do something different. I got to do something major. I got to, you know, I don't necessarily have like a checklist, but mm-hmm. I was I needed something different. Um, and yeah. fortunately, uh, one of my good friends from high school, I ended up messaging her randomly one day. I was like, oh, how are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm going to Dubai for Thanksgiving. And I was like, man. If she had told me, I'd have went with you. She said, the tickets are still relatively cheap. I said, I'm going to go buy my ticket today. And so I bought my ticket uh, to go and just tag along on this trip with her. And our Spanish teacher from high school lived in Dubai at the time. So, you know, it was just a clutch trip to where we were going around, um, doing our own thing. And then we linked up with my Spanish teacher who knew I was in education. And she said, you need to come out here. And I was like, I can do that. She's like, yeah. She's like, I teach Spanish out here. I was like, there's PE jobs in Dubai. She's like, yeah. So I started the process, you know, got all my resume together, blah, 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 blah. I went to a job fair the following January um, and received a job <laughs> in Dubai. Uh, wow. There's a there's a whole lot more to that story in and of itself, but that's how it stemmed. Uh, I don't want to call it a midlife crisis because they don't think 30 is anything, but like it was a situation to where, you know, single, unmarried, no kids, no house. What next? What was going to be exciting in my life? What was going to be something that I could say I could do an experience? And um, mm-hmm. living and teaching overseas was something I didn't want to say what if to in the future. So uh took that took that leap. And three years later, I'm still here. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It looked like at that point in your life, you know, it left the door open for so much opportunity. And, you know, I implore you for taking that 
that leap because moving abroad, like away from, from home, away from family, that's a huge transition. What was that transition like for you three years ago when you first got to Dubai? So fortunately, uh, my mother's British as well. So I've lived outside of the country when I was younger, like my fourth grade year and my eighth grade year. So I had mm. been overseas um, and experienced just a little bit. Um, so it's not like we traveled a lot, but I literally just went to family in England. So right. it wasn't a foreign thing to me. Um, getting older, I think like as you get older, you're trying to figure out just how much of an adult you're trying to be. Because uh, adulting mm -hmm. is not... It's not always awesome, but I needed some. So what put me at ease, honestly, to help me take that leap was the fact that I visited. And I commend everybody that just goes cold turkey to a foreign country, never been there before, and just, mm -hmm. you know, makes it happen. But the fact that I had visited before and you know, all of the other, you know, stigmas and things that people try to warn you about, I literally saw it for myself was like, it's nothing like that. And, you know, at least having yeah. people that I knew here, my teacher wasn't here when I arrived any longer, but I had experienced it for myself. So therefore I wasn't going off of hearsay, which is uh, definitely helped me make my decision. Um, and knowing I was coming to a safe country that actually had laws that people had to follow and, you know, they followed mm -hmm. through on their consequences and things of that nature um, put me at ease. So it, I actually got a, a job offer from, Another country that I wasn't super gung-ho about, but at the time, I probably would have taken the opportunity had this door not opened up because I was just, I was eager for a change. Yeah. So, you know, going to Dubai, tell me about this job. So you're in, now you're, you've landed in Dubai, now you have to kind of make your, your living arrangements and, and join a whole new community. Um, I'd imagine that your job that you landed kind of guided this process a lot. Tell me about the job. Okay, so um, it was a great opportunity. So I worked for international school out here and you'd be surprised at how many international schools there are, but pretty much all over the world, there's places that want concentrated educational experiences for their kids, be it their parents are in the you know military, uh, parents are working for the embassy, parents are engineering, parents are running businesses. So these individuals who have these uh, these jobs abroad many times have children that they want to have this high quality educational experience. So I work for uh, one of the great schools out here in Dubai. When I initially went to this job fair, so there was tons of schools at this one like hotel location when I was in Boston. And um, you're supposed to go into these places and, you know, pretty much sell yourself and say, you know, I am this person and I'm great for, I'll be top notch for the job. With right. school in particular, um, I had known I wanted to come to the UAE region in general. Um, this school had the job for swimming, a swimming teacher. And I am not a swimming teacher by any means. <laughs> So when I saw it, I was like, darn, it's only swimming. It's not PE. But anyway, I go to the table and I asked the person on the, at the table, I said, hey, what do you need to know from me? Or what, what do I need to prove to say that I can teach swimming? Because I was like, at that point, do I go to the YMCA, the Red Cross? How do I, do I go figure out how to swim and then say I can teach it? And the person was like, I don't know. And I said, okay, cool. And I walked away. And the person was like, wait, 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 wait. Can I have your resume? And I said, great. So I give him my resume. And I walk away again. So, which is like, in a sense, a big no-no. You want a job. Why are you walking away from the person who's <laughs> a job giver? Yeah, yeah, so, job, um, job for Because I was just like, 
Yeah, I was like, it says swimming. I don't teach swimming. Finished. Okay, whatever. Right. So um, I, I walk away, think nothing of it. And um, the person ends up emailing me later on that day, like, hey, can I interview tomorrow? And I'm like, sure. In my mind, why? I don't swim. Okay. <laughs> but uh, what ended up happening, I go, we interview, we talk about what I've done, you know, what I aspire to do, blah, 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 blah. Then, you know, he comes and he's like, okay, well, we'll start you off at this salary. We'll give you a one bedroom apartment. We'll blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, mm. and he says, here, and I said, what is this? He said, it's a memorandum of understanding, pretty much a job offer, a, a small job offer, like the unofficial job okay. offer. And I'm like, for what? And he said, uh, for PE. And I was like, really? So long story short, what happened was there was a, the, a PE teacher already at the school at the time who wanted to go back into the classroom. And they must have had a conversation between when I met him and, and so mm -hmm. on and so forth because they arranged to have that person go back into the classroom and opened up a spot for me for PE where I didn't have to teach swimming. So uh, it was great. So the school handled everything, you know, in a sense, uh, top things about moving abroad that, uh, especially for educators, most of the time, most of the time, it's tax-free. So hmm. there's no FICA coming out. There's no insurance coming out. None of that stuff is coming out of your check. Money that you get is the money that you get. Um, so you get a tax break. Uh, many of them, if they don't provide the housing, they give you money to, you know, get your housing. So mm -hmm. my school, I actually live directly across the street from my school. So they, you know, gave me a furnished apartment. Done deal. Furnished. Wow. So I was like, I'm getting a good salary tax free. I'm getting free rent. I was like, I'm not seeing any, any downfalls on <laughs> right. this particular situation. Um, and then, yeah, so it has, you know, very technologically advanced school, which is um, another reason why I had the opportunity to dive a little bit deeper into this content creation. Um, because when you're getting a tax-free salary and you don't have to pay rent, you have, uh, you know, and you're taking care of debts, but you, you kind of have a little bit of money to play around with. Sure. So uh, I went crazy. If you saw <laughs> the state of my house right now, and with all of the equipment that I have, I actually just purchased another camera. Shh. But um, but but yeah. So it it, it opened the doors up for me to to express myself creatively because I've been you know dibbling dabbling on in it. But I was paying rent back at home. There was no way I'm buying, you know, a thousand odd dollar camera, and yeah. I got rent to pay next month. There's no there's no wiggle room when you have bills. Of course. And so, yeah, having that disposable income absolutely helps um, uh, in investing in your gear. And that's the thing. If you invest in the gear early on, uh, you have you set this foundation for yourself of the, the quality of content that you're able to create. And then you can, you know, all the skills will, will slowly come with that, too. But if you're you're starting off with like, you know, a Sony a7 III, you're, you're in good shape. That's so funny. Um, I love that you you made an informed decision to move abroad. I feel like sometimes I've heard stories of people kind of just like, yeah, I just wanted to try it out and like more power to them because I could never do that. I would be there with my pro and con list, you know, check in both sides. And it sounds like, it sounds like you did that. Um, but based on all the, the job perks and, you know, even if it, I, 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 I kind of want to know what your mentality was because this sounded like an opportunity where you could try it out for a year and if you didn't like it, you can always, you know, you can always move somewhere else. You can always come home. Is that your mentality when you first 
took this job offer? Did you did you ever find um, consider that you'd be here for for three years? So uh, initially, when typically when you sign an offer, you're signing a two year deal, and mm. I had just been experiencing how life was just going like away. Like I wake up and I'm like, yeah, it's a year later. Uh, even <laughs> this weekend, I was reflecting. I was like, it's uh, it's it's halfway through May. In 2021, and you know, 2020 took 12 years, and so just experiencing how fast time was going because you know, I went to college, I went to grad school, I got like a second master's, and everything wow. just went. So, my mentality was if I just start something, I'm gonna look up and it's gonna be over. And so, mm. I was like, two years is technically not a long time, um, as I right. can see, I literally feel like I got here like a couple weeks ago, um, and so yeah. One thing I experienced uh, after my first year was the fact that being abroad, especially as an educator, you have the choice and every right to leave when your contract is over. Mm -hmm. um, you can transition. You can go to another country. You can go back home. You can do whatever you want. You fulfilled your duty. You fulfilled what you agreed to and you right. can move on. Um, I wasn't ready to move on after that particular two years. So I, I continued for an extra year. Now I'm in the place in the position to where I'm ready to move forward and do something different. And so at the moment, um, what I, 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 I said, I'm not going to return to my current school because I'm going to be a full-time filmmaker. Right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm taking the opportunity, you know, you meet some awesome people, like thankfully, like one of my best friends here, um, has given me the opportunity to stay in her extra room um, while I figure things out. And so nice. I'm gonna just, you know, go down to Abu Dhabi and, you know, have this plethora of equipment and just, and I'm sure you know too, like the things that we can do with some time. Yeah. When we're not pressed against other responsibilities or expectations from other people is limitless. And that's what I've been craving um, lately is just the time to get it done. So I've been pushing myself to complete some different projects, but my goodness, if I just, once I get to that time, I'm, I'm excited to see the growth that I can have, um, being able to, to be creative, even if it's, even if I'm just improving and editing and photographs and, and whatever, like, you know, YouTube is a wormhole, but there's so many things that you can try when you have time. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm wondering how your time was affected when you moved to Dubai three years ago. And, you know, while you were there, we've experienced a global pandemic. How did yeah. that affect your career? Because I, I mean, I know for educators all over the place, it really shook things up for how they they did their jobs. And I know for, for me personally, I found that I had a lot more time because I was working from home. So I had more time to invest and to kind of enhance my skills in filmmaking. What was the online, I guess, transition if there was one with the pandemic for you? What was that like? Honestly, I had a great time. Um, yeah. It was <laughs> my opportunity to to finally play and do something and do something that I that I two merge two things that I love, which is teaching physical education and being able to create you know quality content for my kids. I'll have to send you like the link to some of the the random things that I was doing as I was continuing to learn. But I I'm not going to turn this camera around because what's going on back here is a mess. <laughs> but literally, I have a, a green paper 
taped onto my apartment wall here. I had green paper on the floor and I'm flying through Antarctica doing all this other stuff for my, uh, for my kids just to give them a different experience to take their mind off of it. And it's something that I really enjoy doing. So I say throughout the pandemic, um, it gave me an opportunity to be just like, oh, everybody needs help. Like, and yeah. you know, I can create digital resources when I have the time and building these particular skills and using these softwares and, and just figuring out what this button does and what this button does. So, um, yeah, I was, I was happy. You know, I, I said my, my, my school gave me, you know, great equipment. So computer was good to go. I already had my camera. So by the time we got kicked out of school, I was just like, just tell me how many lessons to make. In a yeah. sense, I was like, I got, I got the care. I have lenses that don't make sense, but I was like, <laughs> I'm good to go. Uh, right. If anything, I, I think, you know, I was probably more self-conscious on, and I reached out to a couple different people. I just wanted to make sure what I was creating was meaningful. Um, mm. A lot of times we just want to give things because that's what we want to give. But I reached out to a couple other physical education teachers or trying to get improving my editing and be like, does this make sense? And I think that's one of the things I'm probably the hardest on is not just creating for to create, but then like creating and critiquing the mess out of myself and being oh, just wow. like, don't yeah. just chill. Like, <laughs> so working on that still. Of course. Well, that's the thing, content that we create, especially if you're an educator, you have to bear your audience in mind. Um, so at the forefront of your mind when you're creating content is your students. You kind of have to put yourself in their shoes of watching this like, oh, am I, am I understanding what my teacher is trying to convey? Am I engaged? Is it fun? So I, there's probably a little bit of pressure uh, that comes with that too, because I know uh, kids can be the biggest critics sometimes <laughs> uh, with, with stuff like that. They are so honest. Have you honest. experienced that? <laughs> exactly. Oh, they'll tell exactly. you what they like, what they don't like. This was too long. This is boring. You're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's too funny. So is that where it kind of started for you? Um, where you really started diving into making the content? Because you had, I'd imagine you weren't, you weren't going into your school. You were making your content from home. So all of the hours, you know, well, I guess you don't have a lot, a long commute, but all of the hours that you'd spend in a building where you wouldn't have, I guess, the, the opportunity to use all your gear, you now had this extra time. Was it at that point when you started using your equipment to create outside of your job? Because I've seen, you have a ton of videos on your YouTube channel that it seems like you were making for your mm -hmm. own personal brand, as well as your, your media company. When did all of that start? Mm -hmm. um, so I would say I it got kicked into high gear. Okay, so how I even, I, I guess I've always been tinkering with technology in general. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that helped me get into high gear making videos in general is when I finally started making some money and could go on vacations. And I mm -hmm. grew tired very quickly of telling people how my vacations went. It was like, how was your vacation? It's like, you are the 35th person that I've had to talk to about this vacation. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm just going to start making videos. My videos were forever, though. So like looking back, like who wants to watch a 15 minute video of your trip <laughs> to Costa Rica? Now, some people will. I think some family and some close friends will. They're like, oh, that was awesome. Right. And so um, what happened was when I got here and I started buying this, all this equipment, I wanted to learn how to work in, and I pretty much got caught up in the funnel of full-time filmmaker. Uh, did that mm. that first webinar, 
And um, I was like, okay, okay. I can do it. So I made the investment and, you know, binge watch like most of the course and was able to get my super long videos down and be like, okay, like you can really kill this in like two to three minutes um, when it comes down to it. Um, Even like I had my cousin came to visit me like the first month I was here and we're going around that video was like 12 minutes. So after (laughs) I got into the course and realized how many other moving pieces there were and how succinct I could get it, what I started to do was test out what I was learning at my school. So I started to bring my cameras to school for like events, like sports day, Halloween, you know, Christmas, and just make highlight videos of the things that we were doing in school because it was cool for the parents to see. It was nice for me to be able to have a bunch of footage um, and be able to, to use it for a reason. So being an educator helped me because it was great things that the school could utilize, I could utilize and, and reinforce for my kids and have something to commemorate. So um, being in the course and having access to events and schools and children um, really helped set the tone. And then during the pandemic, it gave me an opportunity to sit down and focus on what I was saying to other people. I've been yeah. pretty decent when it comes to like public speaking, all this other stuff. That's mm-hmm. not really like something that bothers me. Um, right. in and of itself. And so, um, you, um, like before I moved here, I did like a 30 days to Dubai, 30 days in Dubai type little mini series. Um, but I think like I haven't been doing my best with like lately in terms of creating stuff like that. Cause mm. I've been tired. So I say that the pandemic has made me tired. Uh, my school schedule has made me tired yeah. and the, like me, this is probably the first time I've been in front of a camera in months, wow. in months. And I'm so yeah. happy that I don't have to edit this, but uh, in <laughs> right. front of a camera in months. Now I've recorded other people and I enjoy editing and making things make sense, building a story and things of that nature. Mm. But when it comes to me, I get home and I'm just like, I'm going to take a nap. Yeah, absolutely. I've experienced the exact same thing. If it weren't for this, this podcast, I would find it very challenging to, you know, put the forethought into scripting a video and getting, finding a a set and getting it all ready and then editing it and publishing and promoting. Like this is, I've created a formula for the podcast. So it's not this intense labor that I have to go through each time. But yeah, when you're making content for yourself, it's, there's something like a little bit more exhausting about it. And because it's for yourself, you have no problem being like, we can push that to the side. When it's focused on other people, then you're more likely to to still engage with that content. So how do you manage kind of that fatigue and, and, and feeling tired while, while still trying to build your personal brand? Because your your brand, and I think it's also probably your your media company, correct me if I'm wrong, Abby Teaching Afar, you've that's your youtube channel that's your your company so how do you you kind of manage those feelings of fatigue with still trying to build your brand how has that been challenging for you um well i would say i had now i have fire under my behind now because i officially resigned from my job and i will be Mm -hmm. completing my contract at the end of june right so before I could chill because it was just like, I still have a paycheck coming. Like it's, it doesn't matter if I do it or if I don't like what I do is, is, is on me and I still get money. I still have a place to stay. 
And so now I have a little bit more pressure, like granted I have, you know, a place to stay and things of that nature. So now that um, I'm in the position to where everything's about to be on me and mm-hmm. I can't count on a steady paycheck anymore. And so it's, yeah. I need to create this content to be able to showcase the things that I could do to be able to make these networking connections. And yeah. so that's the motivation at the moment. And, and that's one of the reasons why I knew I had to resign from my job because if I kept a job, I would never do what I'm supposed to do or at least give it my all. Yeah. And so I'm giving yeah. myself, you know, definitely like a year to, to see what can happen. And there's so much need out here in the world. And we have, we barely even tapped into education. Like teachers still don't know what they're doing when it comes to um, this digital world that we're, we've been forced into and we will not leave. It's not yeah. going anywhere. Like, you know, snow days are gone. Uh, like the only thing that's going to stop exactly. school from happening is if the internet crashes or there's a power outage. So that's such a great point. We're all, yeah. yeah, we're going to be digital. And so I, I hope to, to wedge the gap or ease some of the, the discomfort when it comes to educators and technology because it's not going away. Yeah, that's the perfect niche for you to be in though. You have the experience on both on both sides of being an educator and also being, you know, technically sound and, and understanding the technology and navigating the technology. And I think you can be a huge resource. And I'm sure that you've helped um, you know, the teachers in, in your school now, I'm sure that you've helped them overcome some of their their barriers and, and navigate the technology as well. Yeah, definitely working on it. I've done like different tutorials and things like that. Or if somebody asks me, like I'm I'm all for it. And I know I'm the, the best way for me to learn is definitely by teaching. Um, and so anybody that's that's willing to sit down and spend a couple minutes on, on things that they're doing, like you know, my, my, my best friend, she struggles with Final Cut every now and then, but still wants to do things on her own. And so it's just like, a, oh, do you remember what that tool does? Or do you remember what this does? But <laughs> it's it's good for for me as well to remember like, oh, yeah, I forgot that I could use that. Um, but it, being able also to troubleshoot things, because if, if it's something that I struggle with, it's something that somebody else is going to struggle with. And, and why not help, you know, bridge that gap? Of course, of course. And you're going to be stepping into the world of becoming a full-time filmmaker. And I feel like for, for kind of solo artists, if you will, like one woman shows, we have to be, you know, our troubleshooting skills and our problem solving skills have to be a one in order to navigate that world. Because when you're you're running your own company or working by yourself, you know, you are the, the end all be all of, of how that shoot goes and how, how your gear functions and all that. So tell me about the transition that you've experienced or the evolution rather that you've experienced while attending, um, you know, full-time filmmaker classes online, like do we going through the course? Because I was looking through your YouTube channel and there's a very clear shift from where you started really elevating your content. And I was like, oh, you know, she, she watched this section of the course or she, you know, now she's applying these skills, her thumbnails are on point. You know, there's so, there's so uh, much that goes into, especially YouTube content creation, but I could tell there was a definite elevation of your content. So can you tell us about your, your evolution and how the course full-time filmmaker helped you elevate your skills? 
I appreciate that. Um, well, first things first, like they've done so much in that course. And one of the things that drew me to it, and it's not a negative thing, but I appreciate the fact that it's a lifetime subscription and that they keep mm. their word and they keep adding to the course. So they keep on adding value um, and things of that nature. So it like anybody or any uh, system, a business that just wants to continue to pour into people that, you know, believed in them. Is is wonderful, and it was a way for me. I, I'm I'm always looking for a discount. I'm never. I'm not gonna lie to you, but it was <laughs> something you. for me when I did it. I was like, hey, I'm truly investing in this because it's something that I'm interested in. This is something that I want to do, and so every now and then, I mean, just like with with anything else, like I go through these super highs where I will just beast through a section. Uh, just like I binge watched like the photo the photography section the other day. And I'll probably watch the section like three, four times. And, and then like if I'm doing a different, like if I'm going to work on a project, I'll watch the section again just to make sure I have the yeah. things in mind. Like the little interviews that I've been doing recently, every single time I'm just like, okay, here's something that I can do better for this time. Here's something that I can do better mm -hmm. for this time because I, I reached some type of element. My next hurdle or the next thing I'd like for them to add, to be honest, is one... <laughs> more in depth on audio like my audio has been kicking my behind um mm. and audio can be i mean just like everything else audio can be so expensive um but the course in in a sense i i love it because it's always something that i can fall back on you know youtube yeah. only takes you so far um and and I, I would say i love it because it's relevant as well like i have access to a couple other different platforms and courses and things like that but being able to see um people that you can see um that you can access relatively you know easily yeah. and things of that nature um they look like they're within our age range in and of itself yeah uh, it helps me it helps me um and just and just to know that there's a big community out there of individuals like yourself who's just like i'm just trying to figure this out to see if it will stick and yeah. uh and yeah and i and i, I really enjoy that yeah, me too. I, I think the the course was kind of that little bit of a push that I needed because I know that I, you know, once the information is in front of me, I can execute, you know, I'm capable of, of following the instructions and navigating a camera and understanding all of the like the technical aspects of it. It was just kind of finding it all in one place. And, you know, mm -hmm. constantly being able to go back to the same resource and also knowing that you can rely on the, the community. I mean, I relied heavily on the that Facebook group to find you and other women that I featured on the podcast. So it is there is that networking component as well. Um, so, but speaking of courses, this just clicked in my head. Like you, I feel like you could provide so much value to other educators, um, especially in the, the phys ed space. Have you ever considered building your own course? Yes. I'm waiting for uh, a couple things to come through. But absolutely, absolutely, it's um, it's in my mind to do something like that, and I'm excited to to start building it. Um, yeah, I'm just waiting for a couple other resources, and then honestly, like doing it during the school year is, ooh, I, I wouldn't be able to, to, you know, you know when you delay doing something because you want to really give it your all. Yeah, I'm not great with partially doing anything. Like I have to be, like I get. I won't do anything until I can do everything. 
which mm-hmm. is terrible and awesome at the same time. So, like, I have this movement video that I've been sitting on for months because I had to re-record my, uh, my exercise portion because I accidentally deleted it. And right. I was so frustrated that I deleted it, I haven't been able to edit it for, like, three months. And it's practically finished. Yeah. I just have to, you know, put my movements in there and put some sound effects and I'm good. But there's, yeah, there's certain things that if I can't, if I can't do, or I'm, I'm, I'm not in the position or the headspace to handle everything. I'm, I'm the person where it's just like, hey, Abby, I want this done. And it's not like, oh, you can have, okay. So for instance, the interviews, I record and I turn them out in like three days. It's, it's interesting with that though, because you were, that directly impacts another individual. Do you think that also drives you? Because if you recorded the interview yes. and then that never reached the light of day, like even right now, if this episode doesn't come out in for three months, you're going to be like, hell, why did I waste my time coming on your show? If this isn't going anywhere, you know what I mean? So I think having like when we do things for other people, that gives us that extra push. It's when we have to, to create for ourselves where we experience those kind of mental blocks and I, I've definitely I can relate to that as well for sure it's a pain it's a pain but I, I will I have a question for you really quick have you have sure. you I, and I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not crazy but when it when it comes to to doing things so editing podcasts making a video making a short film and people were just mm-hmm. like oh that's so great that's so awesome and you're just like it was relatively easy so you're just like is it that great or is it because I just knew what buttons to press? Right. I, I think that, so this is something I've, I've encountered a lot. Um, and I, I learned this, I, I've, I've gone through this, this mental process in, because I, I started my company and I'm learning how to value my time in a monetary mm-hmm. sense in order to charge clients. So, and I'll make the connection in just a second. So when, when a client comes to me, they're paying me for the the product, but they're not paying for the amount of time that I put into it necessarily. For example, if they give me if they come to me and they give me something that takes me an hour to edit, I'm not charging mm-hmm. them for an hour because it took me years of practice or months of learnings in order to get my process down enough to where I can edit that in an hour. You know right, what I right, mean? Right. So I think like if someone says something or if, if someone says it looks so great and you say, oh, it was easy to, to make, like don't discredit yourself because you're the reason that that was easy to to create. You know, you put in the work, you've taken all the, you've def, um, refined your process enough to where you're able to crank that out in a, in a certain amount of time, um, which is, I guess, a, a another conversation too um, in starting media companies and and production businesses is that whole battle of of learning how much you're you're how how, learning how to value your work and how to what to charge clients because you know they're they're not only paying for the final product they're paying for all the the time that you put into learning how to do your job the most efficient way so that's just kind of how i think about it agreed yeah yeah so speaking of of media companies. Tell me about your, your ventures because you're going to be stepping into the full-time filmmaker role. And I've seen on Mm -hmm. your website, you have a bunch of, you know, you offer different services and I've seen your portfolio. Um, tell me 
kind of how your where your business stands now and how you you plan for it to evolve in the coming year okay so uh funny you mentioned the pricing structure because that's definitely a place where i am i don't want to say stuck and thankfully i've been working with a business coach as well who helped me like redefine some of the things that i do and being able to see that breakdown of all of the things that I can offer and all the value that I can add, I was like, wow, that <laughs> that's encouraging. Um, yeah. And so at the moment, I, I'm not stuck, but I'm in between like, okay, uh, that's why like I don't have any pricing on my website at the moment, um, but offering packages and services to help, you know, be educators or companies uh, meet, meet, their, meet their needs and accomplish, you know, whatever they need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in the process right now, of, you know, when you're trying to, especially when you're going full time, figuring out how much money do I need a month, right? Like yeah. how much money would I like to receive and making sure that my pricing is according and then getting into, you know, the market. Like one of the biggest things that I've been telling people is that I don't, I, I don't want to hustle. I don't want this full-time filmmaker thing to turn into a hustle. I'm begging people to let me do photo shoots. Yeah. or begging people to do or I'm doing things that I don't like I'm not a humongous fan of like like I don't go to clubs so I'm not gonna do like club parties to make a dollar you know what I'm saying yeah or to you. make a deer ham if I'm out here so making sure that I am doing things and having a pricing structure to where I can say yes and I can say no mm-hmm. and it's not that I'm saying yes because I'm desperate but it's saying yes because I'm invested and that comes with things that are paid and some things that are unpaid. If I like the project, appreciate the individual, understand their particular circumstance and I can give some time to them, making mm-hmm. sure that my pricing structure is in a way to where it's like, you know, I've, I've, I've done my quota for this month and I think I can continue to give back. I want to make sure that this skill is not only just receiving, but it's also leaving the space to give. Yeah. Um, and that is something that I, I feel like I can be proud of and um, and that I can do. So it's 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 finding things that I can add value for um, in a meaningful way and then also making sure that I have enough time to give and then not getting so bogged down with making money that I'm that I'm I'm just doing random things, random things that I don't yeah. necessarily believe in or agree with. Yeah. And it's going to admittedly probably take a few months to to figure that out because you know all the the female filmmakers that i've spoken to you know ideally you go into your you're launching your business with the the mindset of i'm only going to work on projects that i want to work on right i'm going to say yes to the ones that are gonna enrich my business and i'm gonna say no to the ones that won't or, or ones that'll waste my time um but the reality is when there's that monetary pressure of oh i have mm-hmm. to you know, I have to pay rent this month or I have to, you know, I got some bills coming up. There are, there probably will be those jobs that you have to take, but right. It's that balance of making it like, what's the norm of your business? What does a Mm -hmm. typical month look like for you? Will they be those one-off projects that you take just because that monetary value is something you can't say no to? Of course, of course, but it's, it's kind of building your, your business to, to help you draw in those clients that you want. Because one thing I learned is, I've heard from other filmmakers like shoot everything, you know, like go film events that you wouldn't even think that you would film. And and my opinion is like, 
that may help you kind of elevate your skills, but I want my portfolio to reflect the projects that I want to work on. I did a bunch of sports. I've did a bunch of sports videography in college, but that's not on my reel because I don't want Mm. sports jobs. I don't want to shoot action sports anymore. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of creating spec ads or finding those maybe free to fee opportunities to to gain clients that you want to get. Um, but I've looked at your portfolio and you seem to have kind of a wide variety and wide range of of filmmaking um, and videos that you've done. What would you consider your niche to be right now or what would you like it to be? Because um, I haven't seen a lot of that educator specific content on your website i've seen it on your youtube channel but i'm trying to figure out who you're trying to market to right now um and yeah that's something that i'm still i'm still developing and as you talked about the the courses or earlier i think that would help me kind of diversify a little bit more um and possibly get into like some coaching and things of that nature because one of the things that you find that that's difficult like you you and i can talk on camera like no problem You know, if you mm-hmm. had something that you wanted to relay or portray, we can get on here and we can bang it out. You said, listen, I'll edit it. It's no problem. Yeah. But there are different people who are just uncomfortable and <laughs> awkward yeah. and don't know what to say, don't know what they want. So I, I don't want to flat out be like, oh, I only want to work with educators helping create content for their children because there's so much coaching that goes into that. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to go with the ordinary teacher, between the coaching, the editing, and recording, they don't have enough money. And I don't have That's enough time. Point. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's a situation to where it's going to be more, for education purposes, it's going to be more professional development. It's going to be mm-hmm. more coursework where I'm breaking down certain things. This is how you do X. Because yeah. most of the time, sometimes educators don't know what they want to do. They just need to learn the next trick or the next thing to hold them over, the next thing to keep their kids excited and quiet right. and learning something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So a lot of times educators don't know what is needed. But if you say, I'm going to teach you how to do this, a lot of them are just like, great, that's fine. Teach me how to do this. Or it's situations to where I don't care to learn how to do it. I want you to do it for me. But... Mm-hmm. That's on the education side. That's where it gets a little bit tricky because it's like I will find myself, I feel like, in a rut or frustrated because you get a bunch of people that either don't know what they want mm-hmm. or they want the world and they're not willing to put forth the payment. So, like, I'm yeah. sure, you know, you've run into the situation to where you've done something for somebody and they're like, that's not exactly what I thought it would be because they didn't tell you what they wanted. And they mm-hmm. want you to change the music on something or change a font. And you're just like, I want this song on there. It's like, but you can't have that song. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, it's not a, it's yeah. not allowed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, so I, I say all that to say that I am still discovering what that will be. And mm-hmm. I feel like I may be in a situation to where I may have to take some odd jobs or treat this year as just like a straight up learning year. And I just do passion projects until somebody's like, I like what you did there. I'd like yeah. you to do this for me as well. Um, and so that's why I've been doing these interviews and I've been enjoying them, just having conversations with, uh, at, at the moment, all the people that I've done are like coworkers or people that I know. She's like, I didn't know you do this as well. That's something interesting, but just mm-hmm. highlighting pretty much local talent. And, um, and hopefully I'll be able to, to nail something down. And even if it's like shooting orientation videos, you know, cause everybody mm-hmm. has to get oriented if that's a word everybody (laughs) has to get everybody's new at some point in time so even if it's for businesses and and things of that nature um 
that would be great because I feel like sometimes it has like a start and an end, um, mm-hmm. like type deal or or it's or it's seasonal. So right. yeah, I don't know exactly what I want to do. I know I'm capable of doing a lot, and even if it's like you know meeting content creators who want to start make you know stocking up on the things that they they want to post, and we go out for a day or two and get everything together between video photos yeah. and have all that stuff together. So. Yeah, I'm still I'm still building those packages, but what I I don't want to get pushed into a corner saying I only do X, and then I don't like doing X anymore. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That was just I've like seen, when you I've said s- the sports photography. Yeah, you said I yeah. I did that for like six weeks. I was four nights a week. I was going and like doing video for a a, a rec league out here, mm-hmm. and there's a certain way that the individual wanted the things edited, which wasn't necessarily my favorite. And I was awake a lot. So, and so, so it's like when you sign up for certain things, but you don't necessarily enjoy the way that you're being asked to recreate it. It's just like, okay, I'm gonna leave that alone. Exactly. Exactly. And there are certain things it's like, um, on jobs when you have the creative freedom, you're more likely to, to enjoy those and be able to kind of, um, curate the content that you want. But yeah, there are some, cause that's the thing. If this business were just about creating the content you wanted to create and it, that being it, it'd be a lot different, but you it's, there's an interpersonal aspect yeah. to it, right? You're pleasing a client because that client is paying you. So customers always right in a sense. So, you know, when they, like you were saying, when they come back and they say, you know, I want you to change this song or, or I don't like this edit. Can you redo it? And you're like, that's two, three hours of work right there. They don't understand it. So I think, I'm still trying. I just launched my production company in February and I'm still trying to figure out my process because process in business. Thank you. Cause process in business is so important. And my, uh, another filmmaker from New Jersey who I had her on my show, her name is Courtney Casanova. She's done an exceptional job of defining her business process. When she has a client you know, she has like a welcome package she sends. She has all her terms and conditions. She has, you know, she nice. sets those expectations at the at the onset. So when, you know, anything comes up, it's like, oh, you can refer to page four of the contract. You know what I'm saying? Like she's got it down pat and she is great at just making that interpersonal connection because once you get all those logistics out of the way, you can really focus on the connection mm-hmm. you have with your client and building that relationship. And that's just something that, you know, takes takes some time and some coaching that I haven't exactly mastered yet. You know, I'm at the point where like, I'm excited about a project. I'll take on a project. I'll add it to my portfolio. But that like client communication and that client relationship is still something I want to work on because even though I just launched my company in February, I've already had clients that I've had to like walk away from or, or you know, decide that it really mm-hmm. wasn't for me because I didn't, like you were saying, like, I can't create your vision. I can't bring your vision to life if you don't know what your vision is. And it's like, now we're, now we're both wasting our time. And now, mm. you know, now none of us are, are getting what we want. So I just, I've experienced, I've experienced that before. So, so there's a lot to consider when starting your business. It's more than just having the equipment going out and shooting and, and calling it a day. Right. There's, yeah, there's a lot more to it. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about how, because you're, how do you plan to balance your personal brand versus your business? 
because that is something that I've struggled with too. I love to create content for this. I have a the YouTube channel called Life is Kel. I love creating vlogs and that kind of style mm. content. Um, but I also want those don't make me any money as of right now. I also want to make money and build my professional portfolio. But balancing mm -hmm. the two is really challenging. Do you have a plan for doing both or do you plan to put your personal brand on hold to focus on one or vice versa? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I feel like, especially with me going on this new journey, I feel like it'll be important for my personal brand to be there. I'm a, I'm a huge, you know, I, I, I love to share things and I feel like my life is definitely a testimony and mm -hmm. I have, you know, my siblings, my friends, they've seen me go on this crazy journey, like. I've quit jobs before without knowing what I wanted to do next. And people have seen God come through for me. So I think it's important for me to continue to at least display or demonstrate, even if it's like, you know, one month, two months, or just updates yeah. and letting people know how, how I am doing because they care, which is one of the reasons why I started that is because people that I don't communicate with on a daily, weekly, you know, whatever basis, if they want to check on me, I'd love them to be able to like, okay, she's alive. You're right. Yeah. And so um, and, and another thing is that, you know, I granted I'm leaving the traditional side of education, but I have a number of students that are they're my heart. Right. So mm -hmm. I want to continue to let them know and see I, a decent individual living their life. Like, you know, um, my I, I coach basketball um, and things like that. And so my, with my ladies, I have some people that are, you know, they you know, they find you on social media. They'll hunt you down. But um, I want them to see that, you know, you can live a decent life. You don't have to go after the craziness. You don't have to be ratchet. You don't have to do all this yeah. random stuff for attention. Like, you can just be a decent human being and care for people. And and so I always want to be, um, in a sense, uh, I, just a motive, like motivation, in a sense, to be just like, okay, I can be chill. It's not, I don't got to do all that extra stuff. Um, right. And so in, in light of in light of all that, when, when it comes to the balance, I feel like, you know, the tips and tricks and the things that I can give back to the education community, PE community, just little funny stuff or things if I go and travel or something like that, sharing things, because I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say, I'm living vicariously through you. So being able <laughs> to support that particular community and let yeah. them know, giving them, especially like, you know, I, I taught in the inner city when I was in the States. Mm -hmm. So my baby's back there. Letting them know, like, hey, I can go live abroad, too. Or I can yeah. pick up a camera and do something with that as well. So allowing right. people to see common folk do awesome things is important to me because a lot of times they don't they don't see us doing that. And yeah. if I can be a us that's doing that for them, it's my pleasure. That's amazing. Yeah. And and you're the the process of, of documenting your journey as you're going through it there's just something so like raw and beautiful about that because there's so much value in it for you personally and for people who are living vicariously through you or just following you along on on your journey um it's you know your voice is certainly needed in this space and i've enjoyed you know this this conversation and just seeing the the videos that i've seen on your youtube channel and i'm just so excited to see where you take it I'm going to make another V2 video, uh, update video this week just because of you. I'll do it. I'll do it <laughs> this week. 
This week yes. I will put. Tag me in it. Yes. <laughs> this, this week I will do it. Awesome. So um, I want to wrap up here, but I, I want to touch on, you know, this, this podcast is specifically for female filmmakers, women in this space. Um, but not only are you stepping into the, the full-time filmmaker and the filmmaking world, which is already a male-dominated industry, from my understanding, physical education is also a male-dominated industry, right? So now you're, you kind of live in those, in those two worlds. How has it been like navigating that? Have you experienced any challenges or surprising rewards to being a woman in both of these male-dominated areas? I would say when it comes to education, especially being a physical education teacher, uh, the thing I appreciate most is starting my career in the inner city. I mm -hmm. have gathered skills and group management opportunities that I would have gotten nowhere else. Because honestly, this is, uh, so uh, if you didn't know, <laughs> my undergrad is sports entertainment and event management. Mm -hmm. So... I kind of always wanted to be in this particular realm, but certain things took me away from being in the traditional entertainment space, such as right. like, you know, my religious beliefs and things of that nature. So mm -hmm. uh, undergrads, sports entertainment and event management. I have a MBA that I went to go get because I was trying to run away from student loans by going to get more. Didn't make sense. But anyway, <laughs> I feel you. Uh, <laughs> that's how I got and I and I stumbled across. I went, okay, after I got my graduate degree, my first one, I went and did AmeriCorps, um, AmeriCorps program oh. for two years, but it was called Playworks. So okay. I did Playworks and Playworks was a, a, a nonprofit organization that went into inner city schools to help them organize and structure their recess. So kids could play games instead of fight, right? So uh, I spent two years um, doing that. And to be honest, Playworks was my highest paying job and I had a master's degree. Right. It wow. was the most money I had ever made. And I was practically a volunteer. And so <laughs> yeah. it was through that particular experience because I was at a crossroads in my life to where it's like, what am I going to do? Never, ever, ever wanted to be an educator. Never crossed my mind. I wanted to do a serious job. Right. Serious job. <laughs> right. Take it serious. Probably wear a suit. And, <laughs> and so stumbling across education, it was it was like a crossroads for me to be like, do I go to school? for psychology for children or for adults. And I was like, well, let me do Playworks to figure out if I even like kids because I've never worked with them. And a number of doors opened up for that opportunity to happen and the kids stole mm -hmm. my heart. Mm -hmm. And so especially in the physical realm, like the amount of connections that you can make with a child and a community that you can build with children physically, do, do like physical activity is amazing. Yeah. And the trust that you can build between you know one another um, was great. Like I, like in my schools, I'm like a superhero because yeah. I teach PE, like a specialist, usually like the most popular people in the building. And, and, you know, you just develop so much, you know, trust with the kids. Like I can walk into a classroom with a student misbehaving and be like, let's go. And they'll get up and they'll come with me. Yeah. And so I, I say all that to say that me having that opportunity to be in inner city, it wasn't. And, and also depending on like where you are, this is the place that I've had the most PE teachers around me. All the mm -hmm. other places that I've had, like, and some people don't have any. Some people are the only PE teacher in their building. Mm -hmm. At my former school yeah. in D.C., I had uh, a co-teacher, and he was a male. And, you know, we were chill together. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he did his thing. I did my thing. And coming here, 
there there were five of us at one time. And that was a shift for me, teaching with people who didn't have my same teaching background, teaching with people right. who didn't have that inner city experience. So I can come off very different to people. So <laughs> sure. like, uh, you know, I, 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 the way that I coach or the way that I teach, I come off, I can come off strong, but the, the students follow directions. Like, yeah. you know, we have a good time. They know I can laugh. I could joke with them. We could play. But I, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it, when it comes to, 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 to that and the way that you carry yourself, I'm not necessarily intimidated by a male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's taken, it's, taken, it's taken time and, you know, years to develop that. I don't want to call it like a I don't care mentality, but it's like a ne- definitely sticking up and taking care of yourself to, to, to voice this stuff. And that's progressed in my career in general to where I used to be very timid and yeah. just take whatever to where now it's just like, a, no, I, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Or we should do this instead or no, thank you. Or this is how we're going to do it. And yeah. that's, that's developed over time. As I've gotten older, I've become a, a lot more. Um, <laughs> what's the word? Rigid, resilient. Pretty much. I yeah, and so, you know, and sometimes it's it's hard to use those those hard words because then mm-hmm. you don't want to be labeled as like the mad black woman, especially in an international setting. We are definitely a minority over here, mm-hmm. and so the way that we come across, if people are not used to it. We can get labeled, which is something that I don't want for myself or for other people who come after me. Yeah, so when I am, uh, I say assertive, I can be very assertive. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I'm mindful of, I try to be as mindful as I can when it comes down to it because other people may not be as assertive, but I have gotten to the point where I don't want to be taken advantage of and I don't want to do things that I don't want to do. Um, and that's okay because I've seen it with so many other people, you know, you see people like, I'm not doing that. And you're just like, you can do that. That's (laughs) right. allowed. Right. And And it takes you to set the example too, honestly. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah. And, uh, and when it comes at, at the moment, it's not necessarily about male versus female. It's about getting the opportunities that you want, that you deserve. And that unfortunately we have this. Unfortunately, we have we have that particular dynamic, but it is about going out there and 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 earning your respect. Mm-hmm. So I feel like even with the guys, like if set their pride aside at the end of the day. Like, okay, so for instance, when when you have a skill, like it's sometimes it's it becomes undeniable. So for instance, I braid hair. When I was in high school, you know, you have people like, oh, braid my hair, braid my hair, and that's when I was like, oh no, I charge X. But they they go to somebody else that did it for free, and then where do they come when they want a good job done? They come and pay to have yeah. the job done. So that's why I figure in this particular industry, like, you know, people gonna do what they do. That's what they do. Um, but I pray that I can earn the respect that when people want things done right, that they'll call and they'll pay what they supposed to. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it takes a certain amount of like, stepping into your own truth and your own power in order to kind of radiate that too. Because one of the things that um, I've learned in this industry specifically is, 
you know, confidence will take you a long way mm. because people are coming to you for video. They might not know a thing about video. As long as you sound like or look like you know what you're doing, you can figure all the rest behind the scenes. But it is a matter of like being confident in yourself to say, even if I don't know how to do this particular thing, I'm confident that I can, you know, use the resources that I have in order to, to deliver for this client or make this mm -hmm. thing happen. So, um, yeah, I'm really uh, excited to hear you say that. So we are coming up on the hour. Where can the viewers and listeners of this podcast find you? You can find me. I've tried to streamline everything. Find me everywhere at Abby Teaching Afar. So there's abbyteachingafar.com. There's Abby Teaching Afar on IG. There's Abby Teaching Afar on Facebook. Now, Twitter was interesting because it didn't mm. leave me all the letters. There's Abby Teach afar on <laughs> twitter um but yeah i feel free uh, and if if anybody has any questions about teaching abroad living abroad dubai in general dm me uh i like i said i'm I, i'll get back into creating the things and the questions and stuff like that but if anybody has any any questions i'd love to you know chat with you make a video about it um, that's not, that's probably why I haven't been creating stuff. Cause I feel like people get bored with my personal life, but, uh, either way. Yeah. Abby teaching afar everywhere. Awesome. And how can the viewers and listeners of this podcast support you as a filmmaker? Like, and subscribe. <laughs> um, and yeah, for, for, for me, honestly, it's all about, it's all about serving. So if you have any cool concepts or, or things that you'd like to see, from me personally, um, I'd be happy to to delve into it if you want to work with me professionally. I think that's one of the things that's definitely going to help like all the creators, but especially female creators, is when we come together and we we honor each other. You know, yeah. be it, you know, we're helping each other out. We do, you know, we feature each other. Or if this is something that we need to pay for to support, you know, our sisters, that's what we need to do. So, yeah. You know, if I were to ask you to do something professional with me, you'd be like, Abby, it costs this much. I should say, okay. Right now, mm -hmm. like, can we get a creator's discount or something like that? But, like, don't. So, one thing I'm learning, don't discount yourself so that everybody else don't have to discount themselves either. Like, you know, we're worth every single penny and probably a few more uh, when it comes down to it. And I'm, I'm learning to stop short selling myself. So, um, the way that you can support me is by doing what you're supposed to do so that we can we can get what we all deserve. Oh, that's amazing. That's like the sound bite of the episode. I love that. <laughs> Abby, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. We've had an awesome conversation. It's been great getting to know you. And I'm so excited to, to continue to follow along on your journey and stay connected. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So as usual, thanks so much for listening. And I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye.